Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, and thank you for joining us on Bear Archery's Hunting 101. Joining me is a good friend of mine, a friend that uh, has come about because of boots. I mean, what better way? What better <laughs> way to make a friend rather than than boots? Mr. Matt Miller from Schnee's. Matt, how are you, man? I'm good, Dylan. How are you doing? I am absolutely better than I deserve. I'll say that. <laughs> nice. So it's we're going to talk. We're going to talk today about preparation for an elk hunt. Now we're going to talk, we're going to talk through some physical preparation for an elk hunt, but also through you know getting your your gear prepped for an elk hunt. Uh, but before we dive in, Matt, give us a quick introduction to yourself, kind of what all you do there at Schnee's, what is Schnee's, um, and then we'll dive in, man. Yeah, so uh, you're introducing me. My name is Matt. I work at Schnee's in uh, Bozeman, Montana. And, uh, you know, depending on where you are in the country, some people say Schnee's, some people say Schnee's. If you're in the South, some people say Schnee's. They add a little extra syllable in there. And uh, we uh, we make boots, and we make really good boots, honestly. Um we have a factory here in Bozeman, uh, and we produce our pack boot lines uh, right here in town. And that's why we call ourselves the Montana Boot Company. I like to jokingly say we're the Montana Boot Company that actually produces boots in Montana, but not to cause uh, too much grief with some of our buddies at some other places. Uh, <laughs> and we have a yeah, we have a factory in Italy where we actually hand make all of our boots. They aren't made on. Uh, you know, a production line with a ton of machines and automation, everything. It's literally a team of like these crazy good boot makers that have been doing it their whole life. And they make all of our mountain boots by hand. And uh, I don't think any other boot company out there can say that about their boots. And they are the, they are the, the finest boots. I might add, I, uh, my Outlook yeah. Evos have turned into everyday wear. Um, they're just so comfortable, so incredibly comfortable and, uh, they perform well on the mountain. I can tell you that too. Yeah. And speaking of the Alec Evo, we are, so that boot, uh, is, is an awesome boot, super light, but we're always like trying to push the limits of boots and lightweight and durability and, you know, not going one or the other too far, but we have discontinued the outlook and are coming out with a brand new model to replace it um next spring that we've been working a lot on and it, it's going to be an epic boot it's going to be super light even more durable more mountain capable and uh it's gonna it's gonna blow your mind i'll make sure we get you in a pair um i hate it man yeah. i hate when i find something <laughs> i love and then it gets discontinued yeah. we got to keep pushing it keep making better if you can't keep I making understand. it better we you know we don't like to rest on rest on our laurels but uh 
Yeah, so here at Schnee's, I uh, I do a lot. I, I wear a lot of hats, but uh, mainly I oversee web operations and our marketing operations. And uh, from time to time, I try and sneak out and go shoot shoot a bow and shoot a gun and get paid to do it. And that's that's my there you uh, go, that's man. my my role here at Schnee's. So, yeah. Well, before we dive in, and we will talk more boots when we get into the preparation for a hunt, but uh, before we dive in, I do have to mention, you need to head over and, and get your raffle ticket on the Tennessee on the Tennessee conservation page. Our friends our friends in Tennessee have some awesome packages available. Uh, this year they have a deer hunt on the famous President's Island. They have an elk hunt in Cumberland. They have a duck hunt with three of your buddies at, uh, with Tyler Jordan from Team Realtree doing your calling. Uh, they've got a turkey hunt. They've got a chance to win a fishing trip with Bill Dance. They've got a package with a Honda Pilot 1000. They've got a camping package. Take your entire camping, your entire family camping, um, and access to Tennessee State Park properties. They have everything. Tickets are just $20 each, uh, or three for 50 or 10 for a hundred. So go get your raffle tickets at raffle.twrf.net. Some incredible prizes that you can win there. I personally would absolutely love to go on a duck hunt with Tyler Jordan calling for us from Realtree. Um, and if I win that, Matt, we're going duck hunting, buddy. Yeah, little little known secret about me, even though I'm a Montana boy and love hunting in the mountains, I love hunting waterfowl, so I will see you there. It's a blast, man. It's a blast. It literally is a blast. It's so much fun. I, but I promise you I wouldn't be upset to go fishing with Bill Dance either. And uh, hopefully yeah, he'll fall out of the boat at least once. Um, <laughs> but we're talking we're talking preparation for an elk hunt. Now, you shared with me that you are, in fact, getting prepped for an elk hunt. So before we dive into the whole getting your gear prepped for an elk hunt, let's talk about physically preparing for an elk hunt. Uh, you hear all the time guys say, you know, it's a different ball game when you get up there in the mountains, you know, especially for, for people like me in the Midwest, man, I, you know, I have to hike to a tree stand through a cornfield 40 yards. That's about as far as I go. Um, and so when you get up in the mountains, it's a different ball game, man. So how do we physically prepare for an elk hunt? Yeah. So this, I mean, it's a tough question to answer, honestly. I, uh, so just to take it back to last season, I, uh, I was super lucky and got, an absolute ridiculously hard to get mule deer tag I drew and I was so excited when I drew it and then instantly had the thought of realization like oh man I know the terrain where this mule deer hunt's going to take place this is going to whoop my ass I gotta get it's not like seriously I was like oh man and I'm a big dude you know I'm, I'm 6'2 walking around at 260 I could be a little lighter but you know uh so I was just like okay I gotta get in shape so I always go back to, uh, I don't remember what it was, but Steven Rennell off Meat Eater, who we, uh, you know, we talked to quite a bit and work with here. He, uh, he was trying to explain to people how they can get ready. And, you know, there's not like a really good answer to get ready. Like you can try and do whatever workout routine you want. And he just said, walk. And when you think you've done enough walking, walk some more. And then when you're tired and about ready to give up, just keep walking. And that's a really good place to start. Um, you know, being in the Midwest, you're at lower, lower elevations, 
you know, flatter land, flatter terrain. So it's really hard to get ready. especially like, you know, we tell guys who are shopping for boots all the time. They're like, man, my boots are so stiff. It's like, yeah, but you're walking flat ground and these are made for, you know, steep vertical climbs and, you know, you're just going to have to walk through it. And it's just walking, 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 walking. It's like the biggest thing. And with a weighted pack, that is the best place to start. Like, if you have like a Mystery Ranch pack or a Stone Glacier pack or whatever, you know, put a couple of 45 pound plates in that load shelf and just walk, put a few miles a day in. Um, I've heard of some guys doing stair stepping machines with their packs on. That's a really good way to start. You know, you're not going to be able to simulate the altitude and the elevation and the lack of oxygen, but you'll be at least, you know, getting your legs acclimated to just having to put miles in side hill and uphill and downhill and all that. Um, walking's a good place to, really good place to start, honestly. And, uh, that's where I'm starting. So last year, uh, getting ready for my mule deer hunt, just tons of walking, walking with a weighted pack, walking on the trails. You know, I'm lucky enough to have a bunch of mountains around here. So I, uh, started hiking a bunch as much as I could. Um, I have a, a little guy, a newborn, uh, last year when I was getting ready for my hunt. So that, you know, kind of took up a bunch of time, but any, any second I could uh, negotiate with the boss to get out and go hike. I was hiking and, uh, you know, you'd be surprised at how quickly you'll get ready, especially hiking with weight. That's probably the number one thing I would do, honestly, as far as fitness. And then from there, um, you know, you have to anticipate being able to haul this heavy pack or move this heavy animal if you're successful around. So, you know, some guys will do like a bunch of, uh, like hammer tires or weighted sandbags. Like I've seen the military guys use those weighted sandbags, throwing them up over your shoulder or on your back or in your pack. Those are really good tools to use to help you get in shape. Um, I started using one of those around my uh, regular workout routine. You know, I do the typical, you know, bench press, pull downs, push-ups, sit-ups, squats, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, moving, moving in weird ways with those sandbags, load, loading them, throwing over your back, you know, just do as much as you can and, you know, you'll get ready for it. Um, yeah, I feel like that's a good place to start. And then, you know, throwing in a lot of leg exercises, this comes back to the walking. It's just, you know, your, your legs do take a beating. Like I, I, I've been kind of lazy during the COVID lockdown and, uh, went out hiking with my little guy. We got a new pack for him, you know, to you load him up and take him hiking in it. And, uh, you know, he's 20 pounds and the pack's like eight pounds. And then I got another, I don't know, five to 10 pounds of water and snacks for him and everything. And pretty soon you have a 50 pound pack. And I just want to, you know, what's normally an easy hike here locally. And it, it kind of whooped me a little bit. So it, uh, it makes you realize where, where you need to start hiking more or walking more. And, you know, that would be my main tip for anyone looking to get ready for an elk hunt out here. Yeah. And, uh, what you said, you know, there's nothing I can do really that's going to get me ready for that elevation change. You know, I sit right now around 13,000 feet of elevation. I'm sorry, 1300 oh, feet man, of elevation. I was like, are you in Colorado? And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, about 1300 feet yeah, of elevation. Yeah. Um, and so what, what I, what I encourage everybody to do is if you're going on a hunt and it's much higher elevation, you know, sometimes you get out of the truck at eight, 9,000 feet, um, 7,000 feet. And so I encourage you to get, get to your camp or get to where you're going to set up camp just a couple days before your hunt actually starts. And, and again, like Matt said, just put your pack on and walk around and, and get acclimated to the elevation change. 
get acclimated to the different elevation before you actually start your hunt and before you're actually, you know, chasing around the elk on the mountain, you can get your body a little more acclimated to that higher elevation just by spending a couple days. You know, we even go a couple days early and just fish and just set up camp and just, you know, play around, play cornhole, whatever, you know, just get, get acclimated to that higher elevation, get your body used to breathing that air. And, uh, and then when your hunt actually begins, it'll be a lot, a, a lot better for you. Um, so what I do, I, I do a lot of, like you said, put your heavy pack on and walk. Um, I also really enjoy just picking up heavy dumbbells and, and walking stairs. Yeah. Um, you know, if I can find a, a staircase that has 20, 30 stairs, pick up dumbbells, walk them five times, take a break, pick up dumbbells, walk them five times, take a break. Again, just getting my legs used to carrying that weight. Um, but there is no substitution for having a pack on your back. And, and like you said, I encourage you train like you're going to hunt, put your boots on, put your pack on and go walk. Yeah. Uh, don't walk in tennis shoes every day, getting ready for the hunt and then <laughs> lace up your boots and go out and, and get ready for the hunt. Hike, walk in your boots. I, I don't care if you're walking on flat ground or the, walking up the road, walk in your boots, get your feet used to the boots, get your boots broken in a bit and go on a walk. Uh, but train like you're going to hunt. There's no substitution for it. There is no substitution for it. One, actually one, one tool I, I used to do CrossFit kind of, kind of a lot back in the day. And, uh, a guy I used to work out with, and it's kind of a common thing. I've seen them around. Like you might be able to find them online. They make these altitude oxygen deprivation masks. And I'm not saying everyone should go out and try these things there. I mean, they're pretty extreme. Like you feel like you can't breathe, but it definitely teaches you and gets you acclimated on some level. It's, it's better than nothing, but it's definitely, uh, it's, it's a pretty hardcore way to go if you're getting ready. Um, and it, it, right. it looks just like a little respirator that goes on your face and it just kind of limits how much oxygen and air you can breathe in at once, but I would not highly recommend that for everyone out there. You know, that's kind of yeah. like your elite athlete level stuff. Right. Um, I will say this too. Stairs are good, but again, you can't substitute the real thing. So, you know, I, I am in Kansas, I'm in the flatland of Kansas, but I can find a dam or I can find a hill or I can find something to where I can cross, uh, walk cross hill on that hill, or I can walk up and down and no, there's not going to be uh, thousands of feet of elevation in that hill, but I'm still getting my body used to the uphill climb or the downhill descend. I'm still getting used to walking across unlevel ground. So find a hill, any kind of hill, um, and walk that hill with your pack, with your boots, with your trekking poles, whatever it is, but train like you're going to hunt. There's no substitution for training like you're going to hunt. Absolutely. And then I'll take that a step further. As a deer hunter in the Midwest, I never have to worry about shooting my bow out of breath. I never have to worry about shooting when I'm tired, when I can't breathe, when my chest is pounding. So hike and then shoot your bow. Um, you know, Cameron Haynes does the whole run, lift, shoot thing. Oh yeah. Um, I, I enjoy when I get home from the gym in the morning is when I shoot my bow. So I've worked out, my muscles are, are depleted and tired. Uh, I ride my bike every morning. Um, so I'm out of breath, I'm winded, I'm tired. And then I go out and shoot my bow. Uh, and that gets me ready to be able to shoot when my chest is pounding. Uh, you know, if you just sit here, if you're sitting here listening to this, just breathe deep like you're out of breath. And notice how much your upper body moves when you're breathing and, and, and when you're out of breath. Now, 
imagine that how it affects your shot. So you have to learn how to calm yourself down, how to breathe through that, and how to shoot under those conditions. So train like you're going to hunt. Put your boots and your pack on. Hike, but do not forget to shoot your bow under those tired, sweaty, just beat down conditions because that's when your shot's going to come. You know what I mean? Oh, your for shot sure. never comes when you're sitting down for lunch. Your shot never comes when you're sitting down from lunch enjoying a cup of coffee and, and, and you're, you're perfectly fine. And then an elk walks up and you're like, Oh, Hey, I'll shoot you. Um, you know, that's how deer hunting might work, but elk hunting, you always seem to be out of breath. You always seem to be tired. You always seem to be beaten down. You always seem to, so shoot and practice shooting in those conditions. Yeah, there's for no sure. substitute for it. That's that's like a whole, you know, beyond just the physical stuff. That's like this whole other level, you know, that guys have to train for. And, you know, like, like amongst my buddies, I'm always harping on every one of them to shoot more. I don't know if you follow our Instagram story or not, but we were just out at this little mini 3D archery range we have set up and we shoot like crazy. Like we shoot all the time. You know, any day that I can be out there, we shoot. Um and it's, it's good. It's a good practice, you know, just do like 10 pushups and try and shoot. Like your arms are going to be tired a little bit and you're going to have uh, trouble studying your bow. And, you know, if you're archery hunting elk out here, you're going to have to start throwing in some pretty crazy angles. Um, so try, you know, doing pushups and then cr- climbing up a tree stand and then shooting down angles out of target. And that might get you in, you know, ready for shooting out West out here. And then, you know, pretty often you have to take longer shots. Like my boss shot his, his elk at 74 yards a few years ago. So, you know, you, you just train as much as you can for anything. Any day you can be out shooting, definitely go shoot bows, rifles, yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. And practice for the worst of situations is what I always say. You know, I never want to have to shoot on my knees or, or sitting down or, you know, hooking my arms around a tree and I, but I practice those shots because if I practice them, I'm ready for anything for sure. So practice for the worst of situations. I missed my first backcountry hunt. I missed a bear. Um, because like I said, I was, I was brutally beat down out of breath and I laid plank on the ground and I, I got my rifle up and my chest, I was laying on the ground, so my chest was, I was literally moving up and down as I was trying to shoot because I was trying to catch my breath. And I missed this bear that I had worked for for 10 days because I could not compose myself. I couldn't get my breath and slow down and take that shot. I was, I, it was, it was humiliating to say the least, especially since it was all on camera. Um, you know, I'm sitting here literally <laughs> trying to shoot this bear we have to practice under those situations. So practice like you're going to hunt. I can't stress that enough. Just practice like you're going to hunt and then shoot under the conditions that you might be in while hunting. Um, so before we move on, I do want to give a quick thank you to our wonderful friends at Koa Optics. I don't know, Matt, if you have any, um, expertise or any input on Koa, uh, but they make the finest spotting scopes and binoculars. And I absolutely have fallen in love with them. It's actually really funny you bring this up. Like, this is totally unscripted for anyone listening. Uh, I was just talking to a guy who works down in our gun department about Koa, and uh, I, I don't remember the model they have. Like, there's two spotting scopes that make. One's like a little compact guy, and one I think is like the 883. It's like your average, you know, 20 to 60. And, you know, we at Schnee's, we sell optics and guns, and we only sell, like, the best, like the stuff we would spend our own money on. And we don't carry Koa. And I was like you guys need to look through these Koa spotting scopes. Like I've been looking through Swarovski spotting scopes and I looked through a new Leica yesterday 
And my buddy has one of these Koas and it is like, whatever the model is, it has the fluorite crystal glass in the front of it. It is every bit as good as anything else I've ever looked through. And I've looked through a lot of glass and that's saying something. Those are really good scopes. I would not hesitate to pick one up or check them out or anything, honestly. Yeah. And that's what I heard. Um, my friends over at SNS, when I was in the market for some glass, I just said, man, what do I get? And you know, they sell everything. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he said, man, Koa by far, uh, he said, I put them above Swaro. I put them above anything else. He said, they're just amazing. And so I went with the Koa, not, I mean, again, I was a Midwest boy, so I've never had any, any need for a spotter. Um, and so I kind of went into this blind just off his recommendation and I've never looked back. Now all my binoculars, all my spotting scopes are Koa. They're phenomenal. And I couldn't be happier with them. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking about getting a pair to check out myself. I just haven't had the time or, you know, needed to upgrade, but they're definitely worth checking out. I, the ones I've looked through are, you know, very clear. Yeah, they're awesome, man. Now, for sure. moving on to getting your gear prepped for a hunt. So, um, wh- how do you go about trying to get your gear ready for an elk hunt? So, this is this is a, also topical in my current situation. I, uh... I, I've been getting some flack for this from some guys around here, but I did not even buy a deer tag this year. Uh, deer is not even on my radar. I am literally solely just going after elk, specifically archery season elk. And if I don't get one during archery season, I'm going for rifle season. Um, I've been on a lot of elk hunts. I've just never been able to connect on a, on a decent bull, and that's like the name of the game this year. So I've been going through my system, evaluating what I have, what I need, what I don't have, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the first thing you need to do is like, be realistic in like your hunts and like the length of time you're going to be away. And, you know, like I see guys buying like bear tooth 80 or like the stone glacier, 7,000 cubic inch packs and like all this stuff for like, you know, week to two week expedition hunts. And in reality, they're just going on like two day weekend hunts, you know, here and there. So be realistic, start off, you know, are you going to be a weekend warrior and go out, and hunt or you know is this like your once in a lifetime hunt you booked a sweet hunt out out west somewhere and you're going to be spending a week uh then you know start off with a pack that can hold a week maybe a week and a half's worth of stuff um and then you kind of spider web out from there uh so like let me stop you real quick yeah go for it let me stop you real quick how do you know how do you know how big of a pack to get for days in the field so it's it's tough like this is where it comes down to like the gear that you have generally like uh i don't know i would say like most of them are honestly marketed like it's pretty simple like if you go to mystery ranch like mystery ranch is what i wear i love their packs if you go to their website type in hunting you can search just by day hunt multi-day hunt or expedition and expeditions generally like week to two week hunts and guys will wear those in alaska guides and outfitters you know they'll take that kind of pack and uh then there's some like crisscross hunts so it's really tough like i would say um, you know, like maybe I, I think I'm trying to think of the leaders. If it's like a, like a three or four liter, no, it's bigger than three or four liters. Um, like if you look at mystery, it's like a, a, a sawtooth 45 is like a really good middle of the road. Like you can go on a day hunt or you can go on a multi-day hunt. You aren't going to have everything for like a week plus, but you can get by with a few days and be totally cool. Uh, a bear teeth 80 is like a really big pack. That's like a week plus. And I like, I feel like I hunt more than your average, average guy around here. 
And that's even a little bit much for me because I, you know, I have to be home. So I realistically don't get to go out and do those awesome, you know, guy manland buddy weekends out hunting where you go out with your buddies and spend a week out in the field, you know, hunting and having fun. I got to get my hunting in on the weekends. So I stick to the smaller packs. I have like a pintler and that's been my go-to pack for a long time. So it's, I don't know. I would say if you're looking to get a good pack recommendation, usually if you call like the manufacturer, there's like, especially mystery Ranch or stone glacier or even retailers, they're usually all hunters. They can steer you in the right direction, but they're generally marketed and say, you know, like this is a good two day hunt pack. This is a week hunt pack and so on. Yeah. And that is, and even if you are one of those guys where you're like, well, this is a 10 day hunt chances are and if you've heard me talk you know with in the other parts of this series you know we talk about coming off the mountain um giving yourself a break letting yourself regroup and so um even if it is a 10-day hunt chances are you're probably going back to quote-unquote base camp or you know back to your truck at some point uh so really like on a on a 10-day hunt i'm only taking in five days worth of stuff at a time so if it's a 10-day hunt i want to carry in five days worth of food five days worth of, you know, an extra shirt, extra underwear, socks, whatever. And then when I come back off, I'll switch that out for other gear. So I'm really not even carrying in the gear for 10 days worth of hunting, even though it might be a quote unquote 10 day, you know, backcountry style hunt. So all of those things are things to take into consideration because you want to keep that pack as light as possible. Let me just say that in preparation (laughs) for this hunt, put everything you think you need in your pack, weigh it, and then figure out how I can cut weight. You want that pack as light as humanly possible. So that's what I do. I, I mean, I, I might be going in for, I mean, so say, you know, you are that that bad to the bone dude who's going on a 14-day backcountry hunt. I would still only prep for seven days at a time. You know, I would take in on the mountain, stay in seven days, come off the mountain, get my, get my other food and provisions and go back in. Uh, because it, it just, you can keep your pack that much lighter. So all of that stuff you have to take into consideration. And I've made that mistake before. I've made the mistake of putting all my quote unquote gear in my pack. And I didn't even account for food. I didn't account for camera gear. I didn't account. You know what I mean? I've missed those things before that really added a lot of weight. So at home, my pack was coming in at 40 pounds. I get out on the mountain with all my food and all my, you know, a water bladder. And, and now it's 52 and I'm like, Oh crud. That's 12 pounds heavier, you know? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. So, so prep for all of those things. Take into consideration everything that will be in your bag and then try to cut as much of that as you can. Uh, I have a friend of mine and he quotes, I don't know the original person who said this. It's somebody famous, so um, I, I don't want to take a quote, but my buddy always says, you know, ounces equal pounds and pounds equal pain. So you might oh, yeah. think, well, I'm only saving two ounces to switch to this, to switch to this sleeping tent, whatever. But if you can save ounces on every piece of gear, then it's going to add up to saving pounds. So take all of that stuff into consideration when you get ready to hunt. Yeah, for sure. A a good example of this, like tents are a really good example. I see a lot of guys, you know, they're like, oh man, I need to have a wall tent or like, I need to have this or I need to have that. I need to have enough room for like four guys and, you know, so on and so forth. And it's like, we'll start really breaking that down. Like, do you need to have a shelter? If yes, okay. Well, do you need to have a fully framed shelter with the floor and with, you know, all the luxuries that you need to have on the trail. No. So 
one place to look is like uh, tarp shelters. Like Stone Glacier has a new one called the Skyer they came out with. Seek Outside has one called the Silver Tip and the Ellis that are sweet. And you can use like your trekking poles or, you know, even if you don't want to carry a pole, you can cut a stick down. That's, you know, that stick might weigh a pound or whatever. That's something you don't have to carry on the way in and you can just find it when you're out there. There's plenty of sticks. Um, and you just went from having, you know, three pounds or four pounds for like a Hilleberg tent like that was the gold standard for a long time to, you know, 10 ounces for a shelter. That's pounds you just cut out. And it's a, like, like you said, it's a good thing to just go through every single item and see what you can do to shed weight. And, you know, food, like you can unpackage food and put it into baggies or bulk package it or, um, you know, there's new, uh, there's new food out there from like peak refuel that uses like half as much water. So you don't have to carry as much water or as much food because it has double the protein of like regular food. So you might not have to physically eat as much food. Um, so like you can really get down to the nitty gritty and start shaving ounces here and there or pounds here and there, honestly. And uh, that's that's a yeah. really good place to start going through your gear. And we're going to get into, you know, we have another episode in this series about necessary gear for the mountain uh, where, where we'll break down, you know, what is necessary, what is uh, just a comfort that a lot of people like to have, what is, you know, uh, something that people carry that you never actually need. Um, there's things I carry, <laughs> man, that I get home and I'm like, never even use that, you know, uh, yep. never even took it out of the pack. Um, so we'll dive into all of that stuff in our necessary gear episode, um, on everything you need to make sure you're packing. Um, now one thing that I like to do is throughout the year, I try to stay prepared as much as I can throughout the year. And what I mean by that is, you know, I've got totes for everything. Um, you know, I've got totes for my backpacking gear. I've got totes for my camping gear. That way I know when I get you know, when I pull up into Idaho and I unload the truck, this tote stays at base camp. This tote, I'm going to put in my pack. This tote has my clothes. This tote has, you know, boots, this tote, whatever. Um, so I try to have that stuff kind of organized all throughout the year that way, because man, the days leading up to a hunt can almost get really stressful, uh, trying to make sure you have all of your gear. So if I've got all that sorted out and labeled in this tote is base camp, this, this tote is cookware for base camp this tote is my pack and everything that goes in my pack then it makes preparation for that hunt a lot easier and and it really makes you uh takes a lot of that stress of am i forgetting my water bladder am i forgetting something that is absolutely necessary because you know i've taken time and i've sorted it all out in these totes and throughout the year you can kind of refine those totes you know uh, so throughout that year, you can think, well, I'm actually not going to put that in my pack, but I want it at base camp. So I can switch that to my camping tote rather than my backpacking tote. And it just makes preparation for that hunt way easier. Absolutely. For sure. I can, I kind of do the same thing. Uh, it's more for seasons though. Uh, on my end, I kind of keep my hunting pack is usually full and ready to go other than, you know, like some food or something I'll throw in. But it's, it's usually packed unless I have like, I do a lot of competition shooting and I'll use the same pack for that. So I'll unpack it here and there. But most of the time it's packed. The stuff I put in my totes, I divvy it out through like middle, mid season and then late season, late season up here gets pretty nasty and cold. I don't need, you know, all the insulation and stuff when it's like September and 95 out. So all that stuff lives in a tote until I need it. Um, but yeah, I kind of like to do the, do the same thing. I'll go through my gear at least a couple times a year and just check it out and make sure everything's 
where it should be, what I have, what I, you know, what I might have misplaced or uh, used up or something like that and try and replace it. But definitely organizing, um, you know, either by, by buckets, you know, by like shelter stuff, food stuff, you know, survival, uh, water, you know, that kind of stuff, clothing even, um, definitely helps organize and helps you visualize what you have before you start packing your pack. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got, you know, my, mine's kind of broken down into game pursuit. Um, so, you know, I've got my, I've got like a tote for deer and I've got a tote for duck and I've got a tote for, for back country, uh, because all that stuff's going to be different. And again, it just makes prepping for that hunt way easier because I don't have to go through and I don't have to say, Oh, I want this piece for the mountain. I want this piece for the mountain. I want this, you know, base layer for the mountain. I want these socks for the mountain. It's already all divided up and I don't have to worry about it. You know, if I'm headed to a deer camp, I grab this tote. If I'm headed to go on a mountain hunt, I grab this tote. So it just makes things way easier, way less stressful and way less. Oh man, do I have everything I need? Am I forgetting something? Am I ready? You know what I mean? It just makes it so much easier when it's actually time for that hunt. Um, absolutely. Now I do want to say this when it comes to prepping for the hunt, always try to test and use your gear. Um, I, I went on a hunt one time with a guy and he said, yeah, this is a new tent. Never set it up before. And I'm like, bro, you for real? Like we got to get up on the mountain and you got to figure out a new tent. Like <laughs> there's nothing like setting go, a tent up for the first time on a hillside <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> absolutely. So even if it's in your backyard with your kids, man, set up that tent sleep in it for the night, you know, see how it holds up. See, I mean, set it up. If I've got 60 mile an hour winds coming in one night, I might go out and set a tent up and just see how it acts in the wind. See all these things, you know, uh, we've already talked about boots, putting your boots on and hiking. Do that? You get hot spots on your feet. Do they hurt your feet? Are they comfortable? Do you enjoy walking in them? Um, set all those things up, man. How do they work? How do, I mean, Far be it. I mean, what if you order some new trekking poles and you think, oh, I'm taking these out on my first hunt and, and you never even take them out and use them. And then the, your first hunt, you realize, you know, one of the one of the locking knobs is messed up and, and your trekking poles don't stay. In. I mean, you have to test all that stuff out. Try all that stuff. I understand brand new gear shouldn't have any dysfunctions, but man, it <laughs> happens. Just shouldn't. <laughs> shouldn't. It does happen. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it does, man. And, and I try to prep all my stuff too. Uh, you know, my boots, I want to treat them with leather. I want to leather treat them before I go out. I want to, uh, I've got like a scotch guard for, you know, my bag and I spray it down, you know, it's supposed to be waterproof, but why not prep it even further? So, you know, I take all of those things and I get them as ready as I can. I test them out. I try them out, you know, throw your bag out on the back porch in the rain and see if your gear stays dry in it. Um, all of these things, I just, I mean, Put your gear to the test before you get to the mountain. 100% agree. Yeah, I, I, I give my buddies crap about this all the time. They'll do, they'll pull the same stuff. It's like, oh, I got this new water filter I've never used. I'm drinking it out to test it out. I was like, why would you test it out when we're like five miles back in the middle of nowhere? You know, definitely test yeah. everything out as much as you can. Don't wait. And you do better it. hope you don't, you better hope that water system don't fail and you get some kind of disease and die, bro. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> for sure and it, it always amazes me you know like especially you know people coming from the midwest out here uh you know some for some of them this is like their one hunt like this is something they've saved up forever to go hunt elk out west like it's their dream hunt it's like why would you you know risk Don't all risk that it. and all the expense just on one little thing it's like test it all use it all do whatever you can if you break a tent that's 300 bucks testing it 
well, then you're only out 300 bucks and you're getting a new tent instead of out, you know, possibly ruining your hunt and being miserable for 10 days and not having the time of your life on your one elk hunt, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Now, one more thing I want to talk about in preparations for a hunt, uh, especially when you're going out of state and you're not familiar with that state's laws, read every bit of every law in that state for the game you're pursuing. Before you go on your hunt, this is not something you do on your way to your hunt because then you might realize, oh man, I only brought expandable broadheads and this state doesn't <laughs> allow expandable broadheads. Um, so test all of that. I mean, read all that stuff, research all that stuff before you go on your hunt. Look at zones, where you can hunt, where you can't hunt. Look at you know what's legal, what's not legal. You know, Some states, you can't have any electronics on your bow. So if you've got sight lights, you need to take those off. If you've got uh, you know, my trophy ridge quiver, has lights built into it. I have to take those off if I want to go hunt some states because there's no electronics allowed on your bow. You know, you have to look into all of those things before you go on a hunt and make sure that you are familiar with the laws of that state and that game you're pursuing in that state. Yeah, this is this is a big one, honestly. Like, I would almost say this is even more important than, you know, the fitness and the gear is the law stuff. I, uh, you know, when I was first starting out hunting out here, you know, I didn't have like, my dad didn't hunt, no one really hunted in my family. So I just kind of learned it all. And it's, I mean, some of it's pretty dang confusing, honestly. And one, one thing you can do, like, I just never thought to do this when I was growing up until now. And now I try and talk with these guys as much as possible is call you know, your, your Rangers, your FWP agents, you know, all these guys, they have field offices. Most of them are hunters, just like you and me. And they're more than happy to help you out in any way, shape, or form if you call and just ask them. Honestly, most of the time they're happier you did than come out here and, you know, do Bingo. something really stupid. And honestly, if you're if you're real nice and maybe sometimes you show up and give them a six-pack, they might tell you some good spots to go check out if you're really struggling. So they're a huge resource that a lot of people don't take enough advantage of. Um, and, you know... It's it's just a phone call to these guys, and they'll tell you everything you need to know, what you can't use, what you can use, all that kind of stuff. I would recommend anyone call them. Absolutely, man. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. So Absolutely. these guys, you know, if you show up and you say, oh, man, I didn't know that I couldn't, they don't care. <laughs> no, they do not. <laughs> you, the, I mean, you. it's your job to do your due, due diligence and making sure that you're abiding by every law before you go on the hunt where, you know, some, some places you go hunt some zones, you can only camp in certain areas. You can only set up to camp in some areas. So you need to know all of those things before you head to the mountain, because it could ultimately change your entire game plan. So make sure, you know, where can I camp? Where can I shoot? Where can I hunt? Where can, you know, what equipment can I have? What equipment can't I have? What I need to leave in the truck? What I need to, you know, make sure, and you know, all of those things before you go. Yeah, this this isn't a plug for Onyx by any means, but I Onyx or any app that's similar to it is a 100% essential essential part of my gear list. Like I I re up on it, I check it every every couple months, honestly. And you know, with with those apps and the any like you can search like if you come to Montana, you can use the Montana FWP website. And they're free built-in maps to see landowner information. So there's no excuse there anymore, honestly. And it, it's, like, crucial. You, like, you don't want to miss a bull because it's right next to a fence and you don't know where you're at. So it's, it's Absolutely. like, pivotal having something like that on your phone or near you or access to it. Absolutely. One last thing is make sure somebody knows where you're hunting. 
Make sure somebody knows where you're camping. Make sure somebody knows where you're going to be at all times. You know, leave a map with your with your wife or with your dad or with your, I mean, and mark, this is where we're parking. This is where we're going to be hunting. This is the game plan. You know, day five, we hope to be somewhere in this area. That way, if anything happens, somebody knows where to find you. That's vital. Absolutely. Yeah. My uh, in-reach, uh, the Garmin's, those are always in my bag. You know, with with the tiny little in-reach minis anymore, there's no excuse not to have one of those. I get, I get. you know, some guys don't want to drop 250 300 bucks and then 20 bucks a month for a data plan. But, you know, that's cheap insurance as far as I'm concerned. I've, I've talked with a lot of people out here that have gotten attacked by bears and whatnot and just completely, you know, hurt or injured or stuck or lost or whatever. And with one of those, not only can you have it automatically drop breadcrumbs to your wife or your buddy or your dad or whoever, so they know exactly where you're at, but help is a button press away. And that's And cheap. also, <laughs> man, those are worth their weight in gold. And hey, I might get some flack for this, but it's worth it for me to be able to text my wife and say, hey, baby, love you. Everything's going good. You know, because I've been on those oh, hunts sure. where you're out. I've been on those hunts where you're out 10 days and you don't get to see or hear from your family. You know, I've got three kids and a wife. I want to just, man, it's so much for the mental sanity to just be able to reach back home and say, hey, I love you. Everything's good. I hope you and the kids are well. You know, what's been going on? How's 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 the week been? Because it can take a toll on you mentally being up there for, for five, ten days without ever hearing from anybody that you love. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely, and it's it's on both parties, you know. You're, I'm sure your wife appreciates hearing from you every two or three days letting you know that you haven't fallen off a cliff or gotten eaten or something, you know? Yeah, man. Because like I said, I've been on those hunts where I get home and she, you know, I would get off the mountain and I text her and say, Hey, you know, everything's good. We're on our way home. And it takes a toll on her, you know, as a, as a wife, I've, I haven't heard from you in 10 days. I didn't know if you were alive. I didn't know if, you know, so, so those are worth their weight in gold, just being able to touch back to, to family. And, and again, that's something we'll dive into on our, on our gear list, our gear breakdown, what's necessary, what's not. But, um, Matt, before we go, man, send us off with a super fun hunting story you got for us. Oh man, I uh, I'm going to talk about last year. So last year was like my best year hunting. I uh, I hunted alone a lot, which kind of sucked, but it was still a really good time. And uh, you know, mountain mule deer are no joke. Like they call them the gray ghost for a reason. I spent a lot of time looking through empty binoculars, honestly, and. Uh, I spent most of the season, I couldn't find anything good, couldn't find anything good. I found a couple, you know, like year, two-year-old bucks, and I was getting pretty bummed out because I've I've spent a lot of time in this area hunting, and I've seen some absolute giants in there, and I just couldn't find them. And uh, then come around comes around November, and then the rut hits, and I start seeing little packs of does running around. And so I uh, spent probably at least a good three or four hours just sitting and watching these group of does and then sure enough you know this is probably five six hundred yards away out of this huge down like this tree that had fallen over there's this huge root ball at the end of it and i'm watching the does and all of a sudden i see just the faintest little bit of movement uh through my binoculars behind this root ball and out walks this just decent buck wide rack and i'm just like here we go like i was so jacked i had been hiking and hunting and you know just killing myself trying to find deer and uh you know he wasn't the biggest thing i'd seen out there but i was sure proud of him if i could get him so i instantly just like 
dropped everything I needed or everything I had. I, it was a stupid decision. I shouldn't have done it, but I dropped my pack. I literally just had my rangefinder, my binos, and my rifle. And he started moving up this hill, so I had to run. Like, this is where good, good practice for shooting under duress and being completely out of breath pays off. Uh, just ran up this hill. I probably had to run about a good 250 to 300 yards up a hill, up some steep rock, come up to the top of this ridge, and I see him, and he's further away than I thought he would be. He's at range there. He's like 422. And uh, I just, you know, I did what I practiced doing. I just got down on my belly, put my pack down, laid my rifle over it, took a couple deep breaths after I arranged him, looked at my dope chart, held and shot and dropped him, and everything just worked out perfectly, and I was just super jacked. Um, and that that's probably, like, my greatest my greatest story so far. Hopefully there's another that's one this awesome, year, but man. it was definitely a good time. Well, yeah, I saw pictures of that mule deer, and I was honestly a little jealous, A. Uh, <laughs> but B, man... I couldn't I couldn't hope for you anymore that you'll kill just a massive bull this year. And if you do, I can promise you you'll be back on uh, to conclude and wrap up this year for us. Um, you know, I would love to hear your prep for the hunt and then your success on the hunt. So uh, if you kill a massive bull, just know I got another phone call with Dylan, I guess. Um, but man, I could not... I could not thank you any more for coming on the show and talking with us about hunt prep. Um, guys, if you have never checked out Schnee's, go check them out. Uh, because if you're wearing any other boots, you're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> Schnee's does make some phenomenal boots. I am an absolute believer in Schnee's boots. Uh, again, I pretty much practically live in them. Uh, so go check out Schnee's. Uh, before I move on, uh, or before I close, I do got to give some recognition to my friends over at American Hunt. Um, they are a, it's a website to where you can log in and uh, put what state you're wanting to hunt, what game you're wanting to hunt, and you can lease land by the day. So if people like Matt wanted to come down here and goose hunt, didn't have anywhere to go, uh, don't want to have a year long lease for a weekend hunt, they can log on and find ground here in Kansas, put in goose, and they can lease that ground uh, for just the weekend, come down and hunt, and then there's no ties for the rest of the year. So American Hunt makes it great to list land, but also makes it great to lease land on the fly and in a hurry. So go check those guys out. Matt, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you'll have a great week. Thank you, Dylan. Have a good one.